What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Everybody. Welcome to Work It Out. I'm Mego. I'm Caitlin. And this is your fitness podcast hosted by two people who know nothing about fitness. We're comedians and a therapist, and we just like to talk about <clears throat> wellness things. I hate that word, but <laughs> like we like working out. <laughs> so that's why we're here. We've also been, you know, do, you know, learning about, uh, learning about stuff. <laughs> so we're here talking about that too. Yeah. Learning about stuff. Can we use the phrase unlearning about stuff? Unlearning. Yes, for sure. For sure. I was going to say, I think one of the things that we're trying to learn slash unlearn, like this whole time with this podcast is really trying to figure out what the movements that we feel so aligned about, you know, like where they come from and like what they're actually saying and how we can incorporate them into our day-to-day life. And I think that was something that, you know, we were really preoccupied with before this pandemic. And now that we're here, we have so much, we have so much more time to think about it even more and even deeper. So we wanted to like have this episode be a little bit of a deep dive talking about some of the phrases that we use a lot on this podcast, like body positivity or fat acceptance or fat phobia. But yeah. So this is a little bit of a, of a, of an experiment, if you will. A deep dive experiment. <laughs> Before we get into talking about that, because I think this is so relevant to what we're about to talk about. I don't know if anyone's been following the TikTok drama, I I recently got into it. So if you guys have been following the news, there's the mayor of LA shut down, like shut off the power at this house in LA. Did you read it? Did you see about this, Caitlin? Oh, I, I mean, I know that they're doing rolling blackouts and, and all of that because LA's going through a tough time right now. California. <laughs> Well, the the yes, they're going through a very tough time and fires and yes, in the midst in the midst of like a huge pandemic that's disproportionately affecting people, you know, of lower incomes and people of color. The, these TikTokers have been throwing these massive parties at their mansions. They're called content houses. I just learned about them because the mayor cut off the power to this house because they wouldn't stop throwing parties. <laughs> and like there's there's uh, Instagrams and, and TikToks of just, it's just hundreds, like a sea of very hot teens like at these parties. It's so crazy, which that was my like entryway into the TikTok world. Like I've watched TikTok, whatever. We see the dogs and all the stupid dances and shit. But I didn't understand like what a machine it is and what a moneymaker it is. I mean, clearly all social media is. I should have ex- I should have expected that, <laughs> I guess. But I just didn't 
I didn't understand the world until this thing happened where they shut off the power at this guy's house. And then I was like, what? This house is called like the hype house. What the fuck is that? There's these different houses that basically like hot, boring teens who make dumb videos. Like the videos are so dumb. I can't express how dumb the videos are. Like literally it's just them lip syncing over something and they're just hot and that's it. That's the video. They have millions of followers. So there are these houses called content houses and they like recruit TikTokers, these young kids to live there. And they're all, they all live there. There's like someone in charge and then like people have branched off and made their own houses like Large. who's the who's like the the queen oh, the um 21 year olds <laughs> i don't know where any of these kids parents are i mean i'm assuming that the kids parents are probably also psycho and like on the sidelines like yeah because you can go to conferences to get your kid to like become it's the whole thing it's a whole crazy industry that it's just like oh my god but why it relates to us. So I went down this like crazy spiral with these like content houses and like, it's so weird. It's this like social media sorority fraternity thing. They're all very, all the women specifically are in very small bodies. Um, And like, there is a good amount of like body positivity, um, like TikTok, like that, that, that space does exist. Um, but if you go to the comments, it's never a good place. The comments are always very nasty. Yeah. And I was doing that last week because TikTok, let me tell you, let me fucking tell you about fucking TikTok. So (laughs) fucking TikTok. Oh my God. I've never felt older, first of all, because I just don't get it. And my little cousins are, they get it. And I'm like, I, I don't get this. Why? Why? Why does this exist? Why does this person have 60 million followers? But they're all women in smaller bodies. Um, some of the, a lot of the videos are like um, them working out, like workout videos. They're constantly working out because they live in a house and all they do is drink and work out and make content, which just is videoing themselves. And it's a lot of like what I eat in a day videos. Like those videos are super popular. Yeah. And like this one, Daisy Keach, I'm going to, th- I'm going to toss it out there. Daisy Keach, she is I think 19, 19 or 20. And she just has all these, all of these videos about like, she has an entire Instagram dedicated to how to eat to get a small waist and a big butt. <laughs> like having a bubble butt is in with like that crew that generation I don't know so they're all working out to get about which I don't even is that possible I mean I guess not, it, like when I'm not really so I think there's like different schools of thought on this and again remember our disclaimer we are not trained formally in fitness at all we're just avid fitness fans and like really interested in all things like body wellness etc but my understanding is People used to think that you could, you know, quote unquote, like spot train. You can do some exercises to change your body in in different ways um, to gain more muscles here, et cetera, et cetera. But like ultimately, like your body shape is sort of set. If you're someone who just has a small butt, you probably will see some changes if you start working out and like work your glutes like a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton, a ton. But like, you're not going to get a Nicki Minaj or Cardi B butt, you know, like it, it, that's, 
that's not realistic. Like our bodies just hold weight in different ways. So that's, that's been my understanding that you can't really do that type of like spot training. Like, oh, I'm going to eat to make sure my arms get skinny, but my legs get thick. Like your, your body will sort of change in ways that you can't really predict, which is why like you'll see athletes or wrestlers who will, you know, sort of have similar training regimens and their bodies will look like totally different. Right. And like, yeah, like some of them will have like these super highly specialized training things where they do like bulk up, gain muscle. So you'll see, you'll see their bodies like change, but I think it's really hard to be like, here's the surefire way to get my butt big. I think. Booty gains. That is what this girl says. And I like the whole time I was looking at it, I was like, I, is this the thing? Because I know like, yeah, Kylie Jenner also has went from not having a butt to having a butt. Same with it's just hard to look at because it's like okay but also this girl this girl admitted to she's gotten a boob job so she does a lot of before and after pics which is funny because this generation is so weird she does a lot of before and after pics because she was very she was very thin she was in a very small body she was like flat she had like didn't really have a, a butt and then is like and me now and it's like well you boobs look like that because you bought them First of all, which like no shame, whatever, do what you want, I guess, like if that's something that you want to do. But like, and her butt is just like so much bigger. Her waist is so tiny because she was just naturally thin, but is so much bigger. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if this is done naturally. I don't know if there is surgery involved. I don't know. But I just think the fact that there's millions of teens just watching these videos and thinking I can, I can get this way it's just it's an entirely new way of advertising people to make them feel bad about themselves because you're now you're not just like seeing this girl on a tv show and wanting to look like her her whole existence is making these videos where she's hot and knows she's hot and talks about her body and how she got her body that's her whole that's it. That's her quote unquote brand. Yeah. It's making me think a lot of when we were growing up in like the 80s and 90s, there are body styles that sort of come in and out of fashion. And when we were growing up, the fashionable, beautiful body, quote unquote, right? The one that was in commercials and then TV was super, super skinny. It was just like very, very thin, you know, sometimes, like you said, sort of big boobs and stuff like that. And there was, you know, the criticism that those bodies were so unattainable because a lot of times they really literally were. It was like women being photoshopped to be impossibly thin and every single role and every single stretch mark being completely photoshopped out. So you and me, we grew up with a very, very distorted notion of what women's bodies should look like or could look like. Because again, not like... Just, I think I'm thinking of that image of Nicole Richie, like with she's just so unbelievably thin, or like the Olsen twins, and it's like you couldn't wear clothes, like the clothes that were fashionable didn't work on unless your body looked that way, and yeah, yeah. Or like I'm, I'm actually going to be talking about her maybe a little bit later, but like Jim, Jamila Jamil, and I have some, you know, she's a complicated person, and I, she's <laughs> things that are really not cool. And we're going to get into that later. Like there's been some cultural appropriation and like some stuff going on that's like not okay. But I do remember being struck by her sharing a Photoshopped video and it was something so small, 
but it was, you know, here's a Photoshop version of like my armpit, which was like no bulge at all. And then she was like, and here's how my armpit really looks. And I'm like, oh my God, what's funny is I, I have memories of being a teenager and looking in the mirror at things like my armpits and being like, oh, if that fat could go away or like other weird little roles that will probably never go away and they're totally healthy. But like all of these like little things. So it's, yeah, it's that Photoshopped, super skinny, like that was the body of the 90s. And now there's maybe a slightly different body type that's quote unquote getting in style. And it has to do with like a curvier woman, but a super small waist and a really big butt and really big boobs. And it is also like not realistic or attainable. It is a different packaging, but it's still sort of selling us this idea that you can have whatever body you want if you just work hard enough. And that's so not a true idea. You know, that's so not based in reality. And I, and I think we're going to talk today about like why that can be a really harmful idea. And it's also been interesting because I think we've been talking a lot about influencers who will both promote these ideas of you can have any body you want if you just work hard enough. You can be as skinny as you want. You can have as big of a butt as you want. You can love, but, but you should be body positive and you should love yourself no matter what. So we've been talking a lot about the influencers who sort of talk out of both sides of their mouth, like who are sort of promoting these products that are really telling you your body's not good enough as it is, whether that's their workout product or their or what they're eating in a day. And then they also are saying, but I'm body positive and I'm a part of this movement and I really just want you to love yourself and feel good about yourself. And I'm like, I feel like another subset of that is now women in bigger bodies who are, because like we're, we're in this realm of body positivity and like, and you know, hopefully moving towards that. But because we're in that, I think a lot of the images of women in bigger bodies still have a particular shape like they still have a smaller waist than they do their boobs and their butt so like when I go and I'm like yeah I'm looking at this I'm trying to think of one of the influencers that I follow that had like a really lovely shape um Hunter what's her face Hunter Grady Hunter McGrady is that her name I don't know she has like the perfect she just has a really lovely hourglass figure she's a size 18 but she's still like you that's just her body it's not like she it's not like you can get that that's just her body but she's still a more like pleasant image than someone else who maybe is like an apple shape you know what I mean because you're still kind of conforming to that that body positive or that um that ideal shape that's in right now yeah absolutely absolutely and this I think goes back to this concept of the body positivity movement and how confusing it can be and so like let's get into it. Let's get into where the whole movement comes from, why it's so confused right now. I just want to say first and foremost, right? Like I I think it's really important to recognize that like true social movements, social justice movements, true grassroots movements are inherently going to be confusing because they're non because they're going to be non-hierarchical. So it's like whenever you have like one organization like organizing a protest or organizing a rally and that organization has like one leader, you know, so on and so forth, of course, they're going to have clear messaging, because it's sort of like this hierarchical thing. 
But like true grassroots movements, they're the voice of many, many, many people coming together, working things out, sharing ideas. So like within that, messages get confused, right? Like I remember hearing at the beginning of the summer, a lot of people on TV or intellectuals being very like, oh, I'm really disappointed with the Black Lives Matter movement because it's not clear like what it's wanting and like, you know, like what are the demands or people said this too about Occupy Wall Street, right? Like, what is this even about? Like they need to get more organized. And you're, when you're saying things like that, you're really ignoring the reality that like, things take time to coalesce, right? And like a true movement of the people is going to incorporate like a lot of different points of view. So I just sort of want to put that out there, that there's actually no such thing as like one body positivity movement, right? There's no wizard behind the curtain controlling all of it. There's multiple groups of people wrestling with multiple things and having their own perspectives. But I think we've gotten a version of the body positivity movement that's really palpable right now. And where I feel like I see it the most is in mainstream spaces. And it's often being used to sort of like sell things or it's being used in, yeah, just like new ad campaigns. Like, oh, wow, look, this place now has bigger body models. Old Navy's body positive now. (laughs) And it's like, well, that might not be true. You know, (laughs) like they're just doing it to sell things. I think it's like just sort of recognizing that like movements are, are complicated. But the body positivity movement has its roots in something called the fat acceptance movement. And I don't think we've talked about that. And I don't feel that, I don't hear that term spoken about as much. Yeah, for sure. And and you know who I do hear that spoken about most often is um, women of color. Like that is who is who's always using that term. And I feel like also because yeah, saying saying body positivity versus saying fat acceptance in a world where we have come to hate fatness, which I think we talked about this on the the joy and um, boomy um episode just a little bit but like how like uh hating fatness is ultimately inherently racist and because you're you're idealizing like a thin white body so i think of course it makes sense that women of color feel more comfortable saying fat acceptance because yeah there we and we talked about this with joy too but like their existence is already like a rebellion. <laughs> like being in a fat black body is already just just your mere existence is like the anti-establishment. So yeah, I think that where we really hear that term more, like I don't think you would ever hear Cassie Ho saying fat acceptance. You know what I mean? And I do think that part of the reason for that is because of the selling aspect. Like what are you selling? Yeah, all of these companies who are body positive, quote unquote, or who like these influencers who are body positive, they're selling something very different than what a a woman of color who's like a true activist or really wants to further a certain movement is selling, I think. So no, I mean, I think it's Definitely, there are so many women of color who have really been like the the backbone of this movement. And I thought it was interesting, sort of one of the first like fat acceptance activists was actually a man. Like it wasn't a feminist issue. It wasn't a woman specific issue. You know, like fat acceptance, there was... um. Uh, uh, in 1967, this guy named Steve Post, who was like a radio personality, staged like a fat in. And 
it was because he recognized like, wow, fat people get discriminated against. Like the whole idea of the fat acceptance movement is like, whatever you think about like health, wellness, whatever, can we just agree on the notion that all human beings deserve to be treated with dignity and respect, right? And fat people in this country for a very long time, it has been okay to deny them that, right? Like there have been examples of fat discrimination in the workplace and there's no legal recourse because in a lot of states, that's not an actual form of legal discrimination, discriminating against someone based on their size. We've talked about how there's a lot of evidence now showing that doctors might overlook potential underlying causes for health issues because they just assign it to weight. And whether that is purposeful bias or like subconscious implicit bias, again, that's just sort of noticing, oh yeah, like fat people are more likely to not get the health care that they deserve. And they're also more likely to avoid doctors because of body shaming and weight shaming. So like at the basic level, the fat acceptance movement was about this radical notion this like radical anti-capitalist, anti-individualistic notion that people should just be deserving of a life that's free of discrimination, right? We shouldn't be allowed to yell things at anyone we don't know walking down the street to hurt their feelings. You know, like we should just teach our kids that that's not okay. And the fat acceptance movement was like, hey, you know, people haven't been protecting fat people's rights around this, you know, just people feeling okay at at yelling at people in bigger bodies. You know, like, hey, I'm going to come up to you. I'm going to tell you about your body. And that's really messed up. But I think it's interesting that it wasn't wasn't part of the feminist movement. It was sort of a separate social justice movement as, as it started. Yeah. I also feel like it's so crazy to me that I had no idea that this started then. I honestly thought that this was, I thought that body positive, that the body positivity movement started with health at every size. And I thought that those were like, I basically thought they were interchanged. And I thought that it was just a recent discovery because it seemed like such a novel idea. Because even if you think about looking at images of like if you look at images of people in like the 50s and the 60s, like you only see small bo- small bodies, like images of small bodies. That's what was captured by media. That's what was captured by um, journalists. Like I don't just, I, I can't think of seeing like a person in a bigger body during that time, except for maybe like the civil rights movement. That was, that's it. Like if I think about like advertising or anything, like, I don't know, just like looking at pictures of people from that time, like it was like a thing that you weren't supposed to be. So people didn't want to capture it. Well, there was also like, there was just the fact that people were smaller back then. Health at Every Size, the book written by uh, Dr. Lindo Bacon, goes by Lindo now, gender nonconforming. So Dr. Lindo Bacon was sort of saying like, yeah, like we've gotten bigger as a society. A lot of that has to do with less access to real food, right? Like a lot of that has to do with more and more people consuming processed foods that are designed in a lab to not make us feel full, but to taste so good. It like sort of tastes better than like the fulfilling food, right? Like corn chips are more addictive than like eating corn. They're both delicious in different ways, but you know, I definitely have gone through periods where like the only food that tasted good to me was highly processed stuff. So it's like, those are, there's like 
these bigger systematic reasons why we as a country have sort of become bigger and sort of like gained weight and are seeing different health outcomes, right? Like it does matter, you know, if we're never ever exercising and if we're never able to connect to food that can nourish our bodies, like that makes a difference. But I think also in the 50s or 60s, you know, like, or just in the past when people were sort of like smaller, again, like, I think there was like a, there was slightly more body diversity. I don't know. I'm thinking of some people who are like popular in white culture, like Marilyn Monroe, who like had a body that shifted and changed. But even then, like when she got bigger, she was still cast and stuff, but she would get shit for her bigger body. Yeah. I, but even her, it's like, uh, like that's, what is, what do they call that now? It's like middle, middle sized. Like that's a whole movement. I feel like I'm like a, maybe more of like a middle sized person I'm thinking like like people in much much bigger bodies like I can't think of a I can't think of like a an image from that time so like yeah it makes sense to me that that was born out of that and then also it makes sense that it was born out of like civil rights and and so like other social justice movements but the thing that the thing that's so crazy to me though and I I felt like this I felt like this recently, I mean, which makes me very like, it makes me feel like a very stupid white person (laughs) when I, when you start to kind of get like dig into social justice movements and the history and the history of like uh, socialist movements or whatever, um, just how there's so much there and it just was so condemned and so anti-mainstream that we never learned about it. And that's how I felt with this too. I was like, wait, I've been talking about this for a year and I didn't know that this was a thing in the sixties. Like what? (laughs) But yeah, it's because it's like technically subversive, which is insane that it's subversive to be a fat person because how much of like our country are fat people? Like I, I think a, a good amount of people technically like qualify as fat people. So why why are we not allowed to talk about it? <laughs> and it's like it's not just that. It's like the subversiveness of being a fat person and saying, "Hey, my life still has value. It doesn't matter if I'm fat or thin, right? Like that's." that's my business. Just like for all of us, like our health ultimately is our business and every single person deserves to have respect, to be free of, you know, discrimination, to be free of health discrimination. It it is really funny that that's such a subversive idea. And I will say, I think in a lot of social justice movements still to this day, I don't know what I think, I think there's still a lot of pushback against the idea of fat acceptance because I do think people still there's we can talk a little bit now about like some of the criticisms that pop up with the body positive movement with the idea of fat acceptance. Right? I mean, I feel like everyone's the initial thing that I think of like people's arguments is the same thing that is used like for racial disparity which is bootstrap theory. Like you can you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It doesn't matter what your given circumstances are, um, which is used like on people of color and communities of color a lot. Like, well, you, which is very Americana, but when it comes to bodies, it's even worse because you can't change where you were born and you can't change 
the color of your skin. And like our country is already struggling enough to accept those differences. <laughs> but on top of that, if you're in a bigger body, people assume that you have control over that and that you can change that. And that the reason you are that way is because you had one too many slices of cake. You know what I mean? Like that is what is, it's whittled down and it's too it's too simple when we talk about it. And I think that's why people also struggle with that idea because they don't understand like, yeah, I don't know, like the mental health, the mental health behind it and the, and the science behind it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's this idea of you see someone in another situation and you sort of assume, well, they could probably change their situation. So I'm going to have no empathy for the fact that people might be discriminating against them, right? So it's, I think you brought up such a good point, right? The assumptions that we make about big bodies and, and you know, I think the fat acceptance movement and health at every size will often have this line of, even if you don't agree with the idea that sometimes and oftentimes like people's bodies are not a direct response to decisions they made, right? Even if you like don't agree with that, even if you're still in the camp of everyone can pull themselves up by their bootstraps, sure, fine, whatever. Can you please just get on board with the idea that people shouldn't be yelled at, you know, that people like should feel safe in their bodies, that people like it wouldn't it be nice if we could feel value in ourselves, you know, regardless of our body size. But that's such a good point, right? Because health at every size research just sort of shows that there's so many complicated things that go into a person's body size. And it's just so not fair to make any assumptions about why a person might be looking the way that they did. And I think you're right. You know, like, I think you talked about this movement just like sort of being connected with people of color. And again, something that we see so much in like mainstream body positivity movements is is a lot of erasing of that. Again, Jam- Jamila Jamil, as much as at first I was like, oh, this is so good. She's doing a good thing. I'm sort of reconsidering that because there's just more and more stuff coming out that her work was sort of based on the work of other women. You know, there's a woman um, named Stephanie Yeboa, Stephanie Yeboa, and I'm going to put some links to these like websites, but she's like a Black British, I think she's a Black British woman, but she was someone who had a lot of conversations with Jamila Jamil and had sort of been doing, sort of putting out similar statements. But Jamila is whiter and she's super palatable. Yeah. Beautiful, you know? And so of course her words are going to be taken more seriously. And I, I think she's gotten a lot of flack for not adequately giving credit where credit's due. And that's important. You know, she, she could make a decision to own up to that. I, I don't think she really has yet. Um, I hope she does one day, but that's like really important. Yeah. I even feel like this about us sometimes because I'm like, technically, yeah, the work or the the work that we're doing and the, re- the reason that, well, the reason that we started is like working out. But then we kind of got into talking more about body positivity and everything. And we are two white women. And I don't, I don't ever want to feel like, you know, we're colonializing uh, this idea um, because yeah, it is so important. And like, if you look at a lot of like on, especially like on Instagram and like influencers, if you look at a lot of body positive 
influencers who have like the biggest followings, like a lot of them are white. And it's like, yeah, it just doesn't feel great knowing that, um, you know, like white people were not necessarily the original people who had these ideas and then all of a sudden it's like oh we want to feel good about ourselves so we're gonna take these ideas and we're not gonna credit anyone with them you know um which is how I think a lot of a lot of movements go like that's how a lot of movements and a lot of like we talked about this with the Katie Frame episode but like a lot of trends a lot of everything is um yeah is the just colonialized yeah I Jamila Jamil is first of all I think she's fucking crazy I'm sorry but I do I think I like there was something she like went off on some follower or something uh that was like pretty out there and it really fucking sucked like it sucked because she is the leader of this movement and then it kind of I mean she's not a leader but she's she's a face of the she's a huge face of this movement um, and it gave people like that ammo to kind of attack the movement, um, which really sucks because she wasn't even the, the founder or the creator of this movement. And now people have all this ammo because she kind of, you know, co-opted it. And then, you know, yeah. I don't know. There's, I mean, and that's the thing too, right? Is like, there's so much again, movements are disorganized, right? So one person can be a leader of one part of it and then they get attached to the whole movement. So people use that as an example to bring everything down. Um, And, you know, I think there's already so much pushback to the idea of fat acceptance. Um, And, you know, and even to the idea of like, you know, the sort of watered down body positivity, which is a word I like to use, but like it, it is, like the reality is it's a sort of a watered down it's much more capital, capitalistic, um, capitalism, pro-capitalism. A lot of people will say, well, fat acceptance and body positivity is glorifying obesity. And it's, quote unquote, promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. Um, and I don't know what, what the person was who was like Jamila was going off on, but I know that these are sort of more general like things, right? And so I think it's really important to, again, this is why it's good, I think, to go back to the root of it, right? Because like, no, nowhere that I've heard, right, when you talk to people who are like, you know, really long-term activists or people like Linda Bacon um, or people like Christy Harrison, who runs the Food Psych podcast, you know, um, no one is like, yeah, our goal is to get people to be fatter. Our goal is to get people to binge more. Our goal is to get people to move less. You know, it's, it's, it's like twofold. Again, it goes back to like, just treat people with respect. Um, but also the idea, like the scientific idea, health at every size is sort of like when you focus on health outcomes, you see better results than when you focus on weight loss outcomes. When you focus on weight loss outcomes, the science proves that you see short-term success, but like long-term failures, and there's a higher correlation to things like eating disorder, depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, 
people staying in bad relationships. And when you focus on weight loss, that again is more tied into looks. And so you're focused on your looks already. You're focusing on things like, am I fitting the aesthetic? Which as we've said, you know, is, has in this country been like a white aesthetic, like a small white woman aesthetic. So like weight loss is sort of connected to that and health at every size, fat acceptance is connected to the idea that we care about health. We care about health, you know, and we care about every person being able to like find a healthy relationship to their body in their way. And we care about treating people with respect. I don't know. That doesn't sound that radical, but it is. And I will also totally disclose and own up to the fact that when I first heard the word fat acceptance, my first thought was that sounds, that sounds dangerous. That sounds like it's promoting an unhealthy lifestyle. Like I totally want to be clear about that. It's, that's the, that's the Kool-Aid we drink as we were growing up, right? If you were fat, it means you're unhealthy and we don't want to be that, right? But we were also getting all of these other messages. It's not just if you're fat, you're unhealthy, right? Like I think we were getting all of these messages. Like if you're fat, you're lazy. If you're fat, you don't care about yourself. If you're fat, you don't care about other people. Like look at you, you're going to give yourself a heart attack. You know, like if you're fat, you, you know, you failed and you're bad. Like there were all of these messages. And then of course, the idea of what was fat got so distorted that for us growing up, I think many of us internalized anything bigger than a size two felt fat because that those were all of the bodies that we were seeing in mainstream. And that's so messed up. <laughs> <laughs> what I was going to say, yeah, Caitlin sent me an article. <laughs> Something that like, so yeah, so it's like, yes, anything bigger than a size two, like, yes, is gets criticism and it's like well if you're gonna if you're like you know 200 pounds 200 pounds or you're 130 pounds you're still gonna get this criticism uh because we can't accept this thing that is normal and it's like well then why not like I I think body positivity and fat acceptance is saying like well why not just accept it because this is the reality this is what it is and, um, you know, even if you're working to make health decisions or working to make different health decisions, um, like you should still, yes, like you should still be able to accept yourself and love yourself. And also the outcomes of not being able to do so are greater than, than like even health risks of being fat. Like uh, something that really struck me when I was reading this is just the problems that can emerge as a result of poor body image. And I will tell you that as someone who has struggled with low self-esteem and depression, I think like I, so much of it is body image based. And I was not an obese child. I was not like an obese young adult. I like on the BMI scale, uh, maybe like was not even that much, like not even that much into the overweight category. And I still internalized this so much that it, it caused like obsession with weight and it ultimately has contributed to my depression. Like 
um, because we're being told that we have to be a certain way or we're not healthy or we have to be a certain way. It's like, but if we could have just accepted that from the beginning and just, I don't know, like if those images wouldn't have been around, would we all, if we were, I always say this, if we were like all cave people and there was no image of like a, a thin or a small body, yeah, would, would we have that kind of neuro, like, would we have the neuroses around it, you know? No, because we didn't, you know, I mean, we have different neuroses and different problems. And, you know, again, it goes to this idea that like, well, like another, another thing that comes up is like, well, but like, it's just not attractive. It's just like big bodies aren't attractive, right? That's like a criticism, right? So there must be something, there must be something wrong with it. If we just all agree that these things aren't attractive, but like, that's also totally not true, right? Because again, you look through history and like, different body sizes cycled in and out of popularity, right? When you look at paintings from long ago, you know, in like the Renaissance era, you know, those were like bigger women as like the, with like tons of rolls and like cellulite and, and chub all over. And that was like the epitome of, of beauty. So it's like, yeah, like the idea of what's attractive is also something that's sold to us. And if the idea of what's attractive is literally unattainable, what a brilliant con, right, to, to engage in with people. Because if we keep being told you can get there, even though we can't, then we're just going to keep trying and trying and trying again. And, you know, we're going to buy new products, buy new workout routines, buy new diets, um, follow new people on TikTok. You know, and if we're told the only reason why a person doesn't have the body that they want, the ideal body, is because there's something wrong with them as the individual, of course we're going to internalize that. You know, and the problem, I think we posted something on Instagram from someone who really did a good job of sort of clarifying this, like with fitness instructors and with people who are still sort of pushing like, oh, it's okay to want to lose just a few pounds, just a few pounds. You know, again, the problem is I think that just leads to such distorted views. Like I can, you know, I can very much relate to being stuck in really unhealthy relationships. You know, like I was dating a man who was like alcoholic and who was racist. And there was a lot of really bad things about that relationship. And I remember literally having a thought of, and I, and I am someone who like really struggles to sort of describe her body, you know, like, I'm like, should I say large? Cause sometimes I weigh large. Should I say medium? Cause sometimes I wear medium. Should I say, you know, like small at times? Cause I'll look back at pictures of myself and I'll be like, Oh, I, I feel like I was very small back then. Um, but I definitely didn't feel it. So like in that relationship, I remember thinking like, but if I leave this relationship, I'm not thin enough to find a new person. You know, no one will like me. Um, and I'm not proud of that thought. You know, it was very painful at the time, but I just, I, I want to put that out there. Cause I think, a, I think a lot of people think like that, you know, and, and that's just like, if, if you're saying we have to push weight loss just recognize that that's a side effect of this, right? No matter how much you say it's not, as an influencer, as a fitness person, if you keep saying you can have the body you want if you just work hard enough, and that body looks like this, small waist, big butt, 
you know, and it looks like a very specific thing, you know, a side effect is people are going to really internalize that. And that's going to affect so many different things in their life. Right. Which kind of leads into the next piece of criticism about the body positivity movement is that it's just about what you look like. Like, even if you're accepting of your fatness or you're accepting of whatever your body is, but it's like, okay, but then, but we're not talking. I mean, that's where like I way came from. I think, um, the whole Jamila Jamil I way, uh, campaign, which like is such a lovely campaign if it weren't run by Jamila Jamil, <laughs> but, um, yes, like why is weight the thing that we focus on? Why is body size the thing that we focus on? But then on top of that with body positivity, like why is what you look like the thing that you focus on? And like, especially with all these body positive Instagrams, like, yeah, I'm scrolling through to see what they're wearing or how their makeup looks that day, which like, like fashion and beauty is an industry and like, whatever. I, I know it's a fucked up industry, but I do, I do love it. And I like those kinds of things. Fine. I'm a cap, I guess I'm, you know, a capitalist or whatever, but (laughs) um, because of that, but like, yeah, it's a, it's an art artistry to me. Um, but it kind of like takes away the artistry and it's more so just like, about what you look like. And yeah, I follow all these people on Instagram for their aesthetic, but I know nothing about them as people. I don't know what they're, I don't know if they're funny. I don't know if they're good at jogging or painting. I don't even know what I mean. Like, I don't know what their, um, what their skills are or what their personalities are. So yeah, I kind of, it could like could have a negative impact of putting too much emphasis on what you look like. Like I'm only going to accept myself, but then, but I think that the immediate like uh, argument to that criticism is like, well, not being able to accept fatness and not being able to accept bodies as they are, like is already leading to internal consequences in people. Um, so it just seems like that's, a better idea than just letting you know I don't know just letting people hate themselves (laughs) I don't know like uh, yeah I have like yeah I have sort of like two thoughts about that criticism my first thought is I think that's a a very good criticism to have right that the body positivity movement puts too much emphasis on bodies anyway and you're still focusing on looks and you're still focusing on beauty right And again, I think there are subsets like in this movement who are really loud and don't get, and they don't get the airtime that other people do who totally agree with that, you know, like find, go on Instagram, you know, and if you're going to do like hashtag BOPO, hashtag body body positivity, hashtag health at every size, try and find, you know accounts that maybe aren't posting pictures of their bodies, right? Because, and they might be doing that purposefully to sort of get away from that hyper-focus on comparing ourselves to other bodies, right? So I think that's like one, that's one aspect. I think there's, I think there's some legitimacy there, but I think on the flip side, right? It's also like saying we can't ignore the fact that people are discriminated against because of their body size. And we can ignore the fact that many, many people are taught to think ill of themselves because of how their body looks. So I think there's a little bit of a, you have to acknowledge that there's 
power and oppression and privilege at play. And you sort of have to name it in order to, to address it, you know? And that's why I think, you know, some people are moving more towards saying, let's get a little bit away from body positivity. And maybe we work with terms like fat acceptance, or maybe we work with terms like body neutrality, like this idea of, I might not be able to love every inch of my body every single moment, but can I at least feel neutral about it? Can I say my body's not all of me? It's just one part of me. I maybe don't like how I look, but I can, I don't need to beat up on my body because I can also say, but my body's carried me through this life for this amount of time. My body's stuck with me. Let me at least work towards feeling neutral about it. Right. I think, I mean, for me, that is, that is the most, those are the most effective thoughts, I think, because something else that, um, that was in, I'm just going to read this passage because this is like hit so close to home with me when I read this, um, from this, uh, very well mined article. <laughs> um, research has even found that when people with low self esteem repeat positive affirmations that they don't actually believe in, the results tend to backfire, leaving people feeling even worse about themselves than they did before, which is what I feel like I have constantly been like sort of getting at every time that we talk because, and why I get so frustrated with yeah, Bopo influencers who aren't, who aren't ever talking about bad days or who, um, yeah, who aren't talking about like, no, like body positivity is not a 100% absolute thing that you can just, you can just get, you know, like it's, you're kind of, you're selling it just in the same way that you're selling that people are trying to sell thinness, you know, like it's just, and like, that's where I really struggle because Yes, like I can tell myself, like try to internalize, like loving my body. I can try so hard, but then I see these TikTokers, and I see the what I eat in a day, and I'm like, oh, but that's the reality. Like, and you get bombarded with those images, and then you start to second guess yourself, and it almost backfires. Like, I literally just did this last night, looking at these fucking TikTokers, <laughs> like just like watching this girl. And I was like, well, maybe, I mean, yeah, maybe I should start eating more protein and try and build my butt. And like, could I get a smaller one? You know, like I, I just, it's so easy to fall into those messages and it somehow makes it easier when you're saying like, I fully accept myself when you don't, you know? Um, because you're like, yeah, yeah, I fully accept myself. I fully accept myself, but I'm still going to be drawn to these these other messages because that's all I know first of all (laughs) and it's hard to break away from that but also because I don't I don't fully I don't fully believe what I'm saying on on the other end of the spectrum um and I think that's why I mean personally for me that's why I think neutrality is is where I'm like hoping to get to yeah and I it can also I, I I was reading this too that it can, it can make you have even more self-hate and guilt because you're like, why can't I just accept this? And I know that, uh, I know that, you know, um, feeling a certain way about, about bigger bodies, uh, is, 
makes me feel like it's inherently that's inherently racist and like well then am I'm inherently racist and what's wrong with me and like I can't I can't love myself then do I love other people of this size and you know like just all of those kind of thoughts um I feel we talked about that with Jana a little bit I think she went down the rabbit hole of like well if you if you're not actually loving yourself then you're not you know actually loving others but what if what if you can't get there like what if you can't get to that 100% place so I think neutrality is is your best bet (laughs) is my best bet well and also Mego I think you're bringing up like such a great point right like when body positivity is only about good vibes only right love yourself no matter what then again, I think it's erasing the reality that people in bigger bodies face discrimination, right? It becomes solely the individual's responsibility to feel good about themselves, right? Body positivity is only about the individual work. And then influencers don't have to question, wait, maybe if I'm posting so many pictures about my body, I'm perpetuating the idea of let's focus on the body. This is what a good body looks like. And it's good because I love myself, but I love myself because, you know, I have these pants that fit really well. Here's a link to these pants. And I I also want to be clear, and I don't think we've touched on this, and I know we're getting towards the end a little bit, but like, again, like nowhere in fat acceptance movements or like health at every size movements or intuitive eating movements that I've seen are people like, and I think some people feel this because of the way things get discussed on internet, but like in a lot of the people who've really versed in this, no one is like, oh, we hate weight loss automatically. Like, it's not that. Like people aren't against weight loss. People are, I think there's also a misconception of like, oh, you're just encouraging binge eating. You just want people to binge and overeat all the time. And that's not it either. Like I know overeating is really uncomfortable and I know binge eating is really, really distressful. And the people who started these programs like intuitive eating and health at every size also knew that, you know, the idea is your body is going to change throughout your life. And if you have a disordered relationship with food, when you heal that, your body will probably change too. For some people, when they heal that, their body gets smaller. For some people, when they heal that, their body gets bigger. If we can just sort of accept that and let everyone sort of like have that for themselves, I think that's that's a more balanced way of of being. But right, I think- like value is not in body size because if you value a specific body size and then you gain weight back, then what happens? You know what I mean? Or like if you like, you know, if you value a certain body size or body type and you like lose weight, you know, like, and you lose weight and people lose weight for all sorts of reasons that aren't intentional. Like people get really sick, people get depressed, right? Um, You want to divorce the notion that if someone loses weight, it's, it's healthy. People lose weight because they have eating disorders, right? And you don't want to say, oh, you're only losing weight. You're only gaining weight because you're being unhealthy. People gain weight when they start when they heal from eating disorders, people gain weight when they start new medication routines that they need for their mental health. But I think really being able to say like these movements are about people coming to their own 
thoughts, beliefs about themselves as whole people. And we want to encourage creating space for that. You know, I think that's a message that gets lost a lot in the Instagram BOPO. You know, oh my God, I found one role, but I still love myself. Like, I hope you love yourself every day too. And here's a link for this, you know, but I still drink these protein shakes. Here's my protein shake. I'm body positive, but like, here's the, you know, 1000 calories that I ate today. Yeah. I think something that I, or something that's been going around a lot recently, especially with the pandemic is um, like the idea of toxic positivity. And I feel like that is how I feel about a lot of, a lot of the mainstream body positive stuff where it's like, this is toxically positive because you're telling me that if I, if I can't get, like, I can get to a certain place with loving myself or loving my body. And if I don't, then it's still like something's wrong with me, but also you're not listening to like my reality. Like the reality is that because of the way that society is like, if, if you're in like a much larger body, you can still try and work towards acceptance of yourself and still try and find value in yourself and your body. But that doesn't mean that someone's not going to yell at you on the train. It doesn't mean that you're not going to be able to fit into something like, uh, it doesn't mean it doesn't make you not other, you know? Um, it doesn't mean and- you not get passed up at a job interview, you know, like mm-hmm. hard, prejudice I'm sorry I interrupted yeah but it's no I mean that's the same thing but it's the same thing the same thing with like any other um uh, yeah any other prejudice that exists like it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be able to find value in yourself though it's just such a fine balance of like finding value in yourself and acknowledging the reality of the world um which is clearly like an issue for all races it's an issue for women it's an issue for any kind of marginalized group any um, conforming people mm-hmm. you know queer communities yeah, queer communities loving yourself but also recognizing right it's but it's like learning to love yourself but also recognizing that the work doesn't stop there like we all play a part in like helping each other out with different prejudices that exist in the world Right. And whether that means like me trying to do the work to be a better ally to like black and brown communities, queer communities, trans communities, fat communities, eating disorder communities, you know, like there's all these different layers to it. I mean, it's just so complex. So to boil it down to one phrase, a body positivity, like it just... I mean, even in this definition, Caitlin sent this article, it's, it's called, literally called what is body positivity. And there's like five different definitions because yeah, it's a grassroots type thing. People are just coming to it. Like there's a whole subset of like scientists who would disagree with this um, because of what they've learned and what they've been told. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's not, it's imperfect and it's not, it's not super definable, which is, I guess what we've learned which makes me feel better about my struggle with it, you know, off and on. But I'll, I will say ultimately, like, even though I've had struggles and I've struggled with health at every size for sure, because, you know, I'm just so used to whatever I'm used to. And like the, the images we're constantly surrounded by. Um, but uh, even though I've struggled with it, I feel like <clears throat> it's helped me, it's helped me come into 
trying to move forward to accepting my body. And without, without this movement, that, that would definitely wouldn't have been a thing. I'd still be, I was writing before we started this podcast, I was writing about, um, my Weight Watchers journey. I was like, that's a, like, I was writing about it. That was the thing that I was doing. I was like, okay, I'm going to lose all this weight on Weight Watchers and I have control. And I felt morally superior for losing a certain amount of weight, but I ultimately felt unhappy and unfulfilled and bad about myself. So the body positivity movement can help someone disconnect from diet culture and kind of use that, the science piece of it. I think it's hopefully positive. Right. I think so too. And hopefully maybe after listening to this episode, people will also keep learning new things. Um, Shout out to us uh, or like connect with us on Instagram, work it out podcast on Instagram. Um, If you have any questions about this episode or like any thoughts, because again, like we're also totally in the middle of learning about all of this, right? It's a totally complicated and complex history. And time. (laughs) For real. Time. (laughs) Well, speaking of time, I think we're, I think we're done. Thank you guys so much for listening to us, our deep dive. Yeah. If you like this and if you want us to go on another deep dive into a topic um, surrounding this, we, we would definitely be into it I think so add us or whatever but until next time don't forget to keep working it out